Welcome to the Premium Finance Show. Interviews and insights from industry professionals, helping you use financed insurance to provide tax-free withdrawals and extended estate protection. The Premium Finance Show is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, John McDonough. On this episode of the Premium Finance Show, we invite Sam Watson, Chairman and CEO of Cool Springs Financial, back onto the show to discuss some changes that have happened in the industry since the last time he was a guest. We're able to discuss the contraction and shrinkage in the large policy section of the industry. We're going to talk about AG49A and what that means for clients and the illustrated rate relative to actual performance. We're also going to talk about the pandemic and less people in the workplace and what that meant for workflow and the banks on lending, as well as the impact on the insurance carriers. Then we're going to hit on inflation and rising interest rates and what that means for our clients. This strategy is still an opportunity that is as attractive today as it was a couple years ago and will continue to be so in the future years from now. You do not want to miss this show. It is great information and we look forward to having you listen to this episode of the Premium Finance Show. I am literally ready to go. I've got my notes in front of me. Well, and, and that's why I'm pressing the envelope to get this done with you because your time is so limited and so valuable. And I really want to catch up with you from the last time I had you on the podcast. I was looking and, you know, it published in June or July of last year and so much has changed. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. So, so for everyone that doesn't know, I'm pleased to welcome the founder and chairman, CEO of Cool Springs Financial, Sam Watson on the call for the second time. He is our first return guest on the Premium Finance Show. And it's only apropos because we're doing this because you built the thing. And this is all because of Cool Springs Financial and the opportunities that presents for our clients for educating with their attorneys, their CPAs, CFOs, trusted advisors. So I'm glad to get you back on, Sam. Because as I just mentioned, so much has changed over the last nine months or so. And it feels like we've shoved in a few years in the last six to nine months. So, Sam, thanks for taking the time. Welcome back on the Premium Finance Show. Hey, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to death to be here. And really, given where you're at in South Nashville and the Brentwood Franklin area, it's probably pretty cold there. So you can't be golfing today anyway. Is that right? Oh, that's right. It's like, I think right now it's like 21 degrees. So no interest in the golf. I can look at the golf course, but unfortunately it's not even attractive right now. We've had 18 inches of snow over the last three weeks. It's really kind of just not attractive. (laughs) Okay. So before we get into business, how's Ozzy doing? And for the listeners, Ozzy is the most handsome, beautiful dog in the world, and I'm trying to figure out a way to, to to steal him blatantly from Sam. I just haven't figured it out yet. So how's Ozzy doing? <laughs> Ozzy is wonderful. He's glad the snow is gone. He does not like to go outside in the snow, but he he's doing terrific. He looks great, and right now he's at uh, the front door looking 
east and west, north and south, as to who might be approaching the home. <laughs> He's great. He's terrific. Awesome. Thanks Wonderful. for asking. Well, I will tell yeah. him you asked. I, I love that dog. <laughs> he loves so, you too. No. Well, what's changed since the last time we spoke? What's been on your radar? What's changed? Oh, gosh. You know, as I started thinking through this, when you asked me to come on the show, there's just been so much, as uh, you alluded to earlier. You know, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is last year, we had this massive contracting of of capacity for large life insurance policies, particularly by mid-sized carriers. But But those were major players in the space for a very long time. And it was shocking to myself and I'm sure many others that that they pulled out. Literally, many of them, most of them actually were out of the space by uh, midsummer. It was shocking. And then... And why, why, why do you think that was? What What led to that? Well, there's a number of things. Number one is because of the pandemic, there were uh, sales of life insurance just exploded. So a lot of people, hardworking Americans, that uh, they realized, hey, this is this uh, pandemic is a threat. I mean, at this point, I think roughly a, mi- a million Americans have died, and that's tragic. And but it did. It was. Uh, a rude awakening, if you will, to many Americans who realize, hey, I don't have any life insurance or I'm underinsured and I need to get some and get some now. So the influx of business that was going into carriers, particularly the mid-sized carriers that are more in that space than other carriers, they just they were overwhelmed with business. So that was number one. And they were taking so many, you know, small policies. When I say small policies, I mean like a 500,000 or a million dollar base amount policies. Those are small policies for the most part. And so they were having a high volume of that. And carriers, they like that because it's more diversified than, you know, one large policy. On the, other, on the other hand, one large policy is very efficient, cost-effective in the processing because there's just one person. So it's, mm. you know, it's a double-edged sword. But so primarily it was because they had this mass influx of business. And then two is the interest rate environment. So they've got a lot of uh, these carriers have a lot of policies out there, particularly the ones that have whole life contracts that have, you know, guaranteed returns, which were 4% up until just recently. And so those returns were every time they take in a dollar, it was killing them. So they just didn't want to sell as many of those policies. Now they've made some adjustments, but those are the two big concerns, the interest rate environment as well as the big influx of business. Yeah, we'll come back um, to the interest rate environment here in a second, but yeah, keep on going. Yeah, so we also saw the negative effects of AG49A. 
which in my view is a complete distortion of some of the high performance products that are available today. I mean, they just, the regulation is affecting how the carriers with high performance products, it's making them look like they're a low performance product. And it's a total disservice, in my opinion, to the American people. But it is what it is. And so we saw a lot of people who were wanting to buy and in the past, and then they took, you know, they came back to us and said, hey, you know, I realize I need life insurance. This pandemic, people are really dying. I need life insurance. And then they look at it and the AG49 had kicked in and they're seeing, you know, the illustrations don't look as good. They're a total, like I say, they're a total distortion of the facts. The policies, all of them have dramatically outperformed AG49A, dramatically outperformed them. And so it's a really sad commentary. And so that that had some effect in the business. And then so to course, that point, know, Sam, to, go ahead. real quick, can I speak to that point? So sure. you, have, you have one side of the industry that says AG49A isn't sufficient enough. It's not robust enough because the that side, that faction of people tend to believe and don't trust the insurance carriers and their ability to maintain and keep the promise to the policyholders in the future, right? So they're showing relatively low cost options budgets. They're showing some bonuses and that faction of people don't believe that even the AG49A reduced illustrated rate is sufficient enough. And then there's your belief, our belief, which is it's a disservice to the client because they actually have historically performed better. How does a client, a trusted advisor, an attorney, how do they consume that information and make an educated decision? Well, you have to take them back through the historical returns of the particular index that they like, whether it be the S&P 500, some proprietary index that uh, a carrier may have built themselves with a investment partner, or it be, you know, the NASDAQ or whatever indexers of, you know, a gazillion indexes out there. So if you look back at the historical returns, particularly of the uncapped indexes. And then you compare that to what's illustrated. I mean, it's laughable. I'll give you an example. One of my favorite carriers, I think they're, I think they're like at 5.19% illustrated cash value growth per year. And yet they have averaged year after year, particularly with their uncapped, closer to 9%. So it's shameful what this uh, AG49 is putting out. I mean, just shameful. The difference between nine and five, as we know, it's huge. It's huge. So it's shameful what they're doing. And unfortunately, now they don't, the regulators, which are a bunch of insurance commissioners, which is an appointed position. I mean, really, what do they know? Most of them have probably never delivered 
a death claim check, which is where the rubber meets the road in this business. And most of the naysayers out there are people uh, and people writing the naysayers being uh, people that write articles. They've never delivered a death claim either. So shame on them and shame on the commissioners for listening to people that have never delivered a death claim. They are absolutely meaningless in this industry. Just my opinion. But it, yeah, but isn't that a microcosm or a big macrocosm of what's going on in our entire country? I mean, people seem to be in places that they have no business being in, yet they're making decisions that impact lives. And, and, and our, our clients really are the ones that are suffering as a result of this. Yeah, well, uh, fortunately, the American people are suffering as a whole, right? I mean, there's no question about that. I am happy to report that our clients actually aren't suffering. Our clients are doing wonderfully well, pretty much in all aspects of their financial world. And I'm happy to report that all, all of our clients at Cool Springs Financial are doing wonderfully well and are very happy. But you're, you, to your point, I mean, look, the, the world, our country is in a strange place right now. And it's going to take uh, probably an election or two to get that straightened out. But and, and thank you for the clarification on that. I guess when I was saying our, I was going to the industry in general, not our to Cool Springs specific. But thank you for clarifying that because you're exactly right. Cool Springs clients are thriving, not just um, suffering in this environment. Yeah. No, there's no question about that. And I'm, I'm very, I'm delighted about that. And, you know, kudos to us from the standpoint that we have really focused on what is meaningful for what we do. And that is having great lenders at, at very competitive lending rates uh, combined with high performance products that even though the illustrations demonstrate that you know it's going to look terrible it just it it's a terrible product to buy anyone with common sense can see that it's a great place to you know to, to cover estate taxes to get coverage on a key person to use to buy out a business partner and especially to provide extraordinary compensation in the form of executive bonuses and some of our structured transactions that provide really unparalleled benefits to employees of companies that really don't want to lose them. It's their via, a company's VIP employees. So that's, it's never been better. It's never been a better time when you have bad times. Like, like our country has today, very, well, just a lot of turmoil and uh, even in some parts of the country, chaos. You know, we offer a product that does something that, you know, you just can't get anywhere else, number one. And number two, you have a structure that's provided by Cool Springs that you're not going to find anywhere else either. I challenge you to find it. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm not saying that we're the only smart people in the business, but 
this uh, this particular aspect of what we do. I don't think anybody does it better. And most of the carriers tell me that. Well, and we've actually thrown that gauntlet challenge out to other advisors that are that are trying to do due diligence on us for their clients and they come back telling us the exact same thing. So you're not just making that up. So you mentioned industry contraction or shrinkage that's taken place due yeah. to the various issues that they were facing. The AG49A that really kind of was a change from the last time we spoke. Anything else? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, and, and I'm really focused here on the negatives. There's, a, there's some real great positives as well, but I'll kind of finish up the negatives if that's okay. So, so the pandemic combined with fewer people wanting to be in the workforce, you know, it continued to slow down from 2020 for most of our our industry's reliable lenders. They were overwhelmed with business and they just didn't have enough staff to actually paper the transactions. I mean, it was it was just a very tough environment last year. It was taking three months to do what is normally what normally takes three to four weeks. And it was a bitter pill uh, to swallow, you know, for the first time in the history of the life insurance industry, there was more demand than supply in the large life insurance policy space, and that's that was that's shocking to see those carriers withdraw, et cetera. But there was so much demand that even with that, the banks, you know, with a heavy demand, they just couldn't keep up, and so things slowed down within the industry a large policy fundings but that's it slowed down overall but there was still growth there because of the heavy demand so it it pushed everyone uh, to the limits there's no question about that and in your and 40 then, years in your 40 years and my 20 years we've meet, I haven't seen it and I don't think you had either seen that exact thing of demand outpacing supply. You'd never seen that. Is that correct? Oh, never. In fact, I've talked to people. I think I saw where you are about to interview Mike Bell. Now, Mike Bell is older than dirt. He's been around for the 250 years that the life insurance industry has been in. And (laughs) he's my good friend, as you, you might imagine. But, you know, he ran Pacific Life particularly during its heyday, its massive growth years, he and Jim Morris were just a great combo in management there. I'm just a fantastic and well, well versed in all aspects of the business. I mean, he ran Pacific Life Division and he will tell you that never in the history of the industry, and I've spoken to others that have been, you know, they're not quite as old as Mike is, but they've been around a long time. And, you know, he knows his stuff and all of them say, we never imagined that this could be possible. Never imagined that there would be more people wanting to buy coverage than than the carriers actually wanted to sell. Uh, It was shocking to me. Shocking. Have you seen on the, like you mentioned, the lenders were overwhelmed because they were understaffed while 
pairing that with unseen demand in the history of, of our industry. Have you seen the lenders start to come out of it? Are they picking up? What are you seeing on the lending side? Well, and that's, you know, that, that's on the positive side. The last thing I'll say on the negative, and then I'll jump right over to that. Yeah, yeah. If that's okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so now, you know, now America is facing inflation and rising interest rates for the first time since the 1980s. Now, I'm going to date myself here, but my, the first home I bought in 1981, I paid 14.5% interest. And inflation was running about 16%. You could actually, at one point, you could get a seat, you could buy a five year CD. And you don't hear about five year CDs anymore. But back then, you could buy a five year CD that pay you 25% a year. Wow. Can you imagine that? See, but I say, wow thinking about the cost of borrowing money in today's environment, not the cost of borrowing money in that environment. So really the spreads weren't that much different. Am I, am I right or wrong on that? No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. The, as I just, you know, back then, no, there was no, there was no LIBOR. So, you know, everyone used prime and prime has always been, the Fed funds rate plus 300 basis points. Today, you know, the prime rate, the prime lending rate is uh, three and a quarter percent. 25 basis points is the Fed funds cost, and then they add 300 basis points to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just crazy, isn't it? But back then, the spread was still 300 basis points. But, you know, long term money was very expensive and like i say you know mortgages my mortgage i think i got a 50 basis point deduction from the full cost because it was an fha loan back then but it's very expensive very expensive but hey there there that's all the bad news the good news is there's a lot of positives, a lot of positives. What are some of those? So the first one I'll start with is the carriers that lost their appetite for large policy last year are pretty much all back. There's only one carrier that I know that is still out of the space, and they were an insignificant player anyway. But for the most part, they're back. They've clearly identified the type client that they want to buy their large policies. And, you know, they've got a lot of clarity. I had one of the carriers in that pulled out last, gosh, I guess last July. They were in the office yesterday and said, hey, we're back. We've put a maximum premium in place of $2 million per owner, per policy owner. And we, you know, we want a minimum net worth client of $15 million. So they doubled where it was a year ago. And they just said, you know, if we go there, then, you know, we'll just get the cases that we want. So, you know, they've come back, they've got that, and that's fine. I mean, you know, 
it's just nice to see that they realize that they're, they need it. They don't want to lose it because if you stay out of it long enough, we will forget you. <laughs> we, we, we're going to go with, you know, who is in the space and then is serious about providing a high performance product, number one. Uh, and number two, one that we can count on to be in the space year in and year out. So if you stay out too, very long, firms like us, and, you know, there's only one other firm that's really maybe two in the country that even, you know, come close to our volume, those, they're going to forget them. They'll just be out. So it's wise that they came back and it's good that now that, you know, they clearly know what they want. So that's a wonderful thing. Do you think you're going to see that as a trend with the other carriers coming back in that left or pause, but coming back in at a higher entry level for the client, like with that what that carrier just did? It, it, it's very possible because I will say this, that that carrier is one of the smartest carriers. Their CEO, who is a very good friend, I consider him one, one of the smartest people in the industry today that's in a leadership role of a company. But there's, look, there's other niches out there that carriers can fulfill that are just as profitable as what they're looking for. So it wouldn't be wise for all the carriers, you know, to have this herd mentality and everyone just be the same because there's niches out there. I can tell you right now, there are plenty of people that have net worths of five to $10 million uh, certainly under $15 million, that uh, need, want, and when they buy it, they'll keep it. Now, does every one of those have the right financials to meet that? No, they don't. Someone that's worth $5 million, they own a business, and it's predominantly all their net worth is uh, tied up in just you know the value of the company. You can't spend the value of a company always, you know, so it, it doesn't make sense for them. But those that are highly liquid or can easily access cash through several different means, it's perfect for them. And it makes more sense. I mean, still, I know I, I had a conversation yesterday and this particular client was, uh, you know, quoting Jamie Dimon. Well, I know Jamie Dimon. I've met with Jamie Dimon. I like Jamie Dimon. And Jamie, according to him, was saying that, hey, the Fed's going to have six or seven rate increases next year. Well, that's the bad news, right? The good news is those rates, our clients are not going to see the full effect of those rates. Those rates will be the Fed fund increases. SOFR is the rate that most uh, of our lenders are using now. That's the secured overnight finance rate. And that particular rate, it is the rate that is charged between banks. So when, they, when banks lend other banks money, that's what they charge them. Today, that's five basis points. I mentioned that earlier. 
the Fed funds rate today is five times that, 25 basis points. A year from now, we may very well see a prime rate, four and a half, five percent. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. You know what the SOFR uh, market expectation is a year from now? Next January, 2031, it is expected, the market expects, SOFR to be at 93 basis points. And Big what difference. year? Next year, 2023. Okay. 2023, okay. Yep, next January, 2023, 93 basis points. 10 years from now, the SOFR forward curve is at 1.6%. So, 1.6. So, so are we going to see next year, a massive? Yeah, 93. Yes. 93 in the projection, and, and anything can change, right? But the projection 10 years forward from today is 1.6. So not even a 100 basis point increase over the next 10 years on the SOFR rate. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's so comforting I, I, to hear. Yeah. So I like to say it as wholesale and retail. The wholesale rate right now is five basis points. The retail rate, well... You know, it's it's twenty five. That's the cost of funds. Got it. Got it. It's a great way to put it. Yeah. And the spread in retail, which makes up the prime lending rate, is three hundred basis points. Our spreads are typically like around one seventy five. Well, Sam, where do you see inflation? So you mentioned the interest rate component right there, which is very helpful to our existing clients and those doing their due diligence their due diligence on our design. But where do you see inflation impacting it or how do you see inflation impacting it? Well, you know, inflation's not bad in regards to everything. So assets as an example, if you're if you uh, I'll just give you an example. If you own a home, then you're probably seeing the value of your home rise dramatically. I read an article yesterday put out by the National Realty Association that homes with a that started the year 2021 that their where their value was a million dollars or more they rose 31%. 31%. They expect it to be less this year but still substantial. Think about that. That is substantial. So, yeah. So, I mean, if if you started the year with your home being worth a million dollars now, it's worth a million three hundred ten thousand. That's crazy. So with and and think about this, if you own gas and oil assets, those rose dramatically, right? I mean, we got oil prices right at eighty dollars a barrel. Crazy. And I say it's crazy. It's been there before. So we saw it as low as like $28 a barrel just in the last 24 months. So Mm -hmm. if you look at the rise and the, of course, we've got the cost of food, et cetera. That's the negative end of inflation. But inflation does increase the value of assets overall. And so the impact there for us 
in our business. It, you know, it's multifaceted. One of the biggies, though, one of the biggies is that states are going up in value at a rapid pace. So, look, if your estate was and you own a lot of hard assets and your estate was worth, I'm making this up, $100 million, then, you know, it's probably $130 million now. And that means that you need another $12 million of life insurance just to cover that increase. Well, and the good news is there, this current administration was really trying to come after how much of that estate would pass under the exemption amount and then what that tax would be. But we got a, a stay of judgment on that for the time being, right? They didn't pass anything new on estates. Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, and and of course, there's plenty of people that disagree with me on this, but I do feel that there's two people in one particular party that are still keeping Americans free. And without those Mm -hmm. two people, God bless them. Without those two people, a year or two from now, America would look totally different. And that's just hard for me to to grasp how that could even possibly happen. But I'm now seeing how it can possibly happen. And it's shocking to me. And, you know, I think a lot of Americans have are now awake and totally understand what's at stake here. Yeah, I was having that discussion just yesterday and just praying for strength and fortitude for those two people and hopefully get another one or two to come over, provide a little bit of coverage for them. But I want to go yeah. back to that previous point you made about inflation and interest rates. So if I dig in and I think about a structured finance design, particular how Cool Spring sets it up, if I think about a, a underlying asset that has a guarantee of a 0% floor that has upside potential relative to an index, Okay, and then that index can grow or appreciate in value. What I heard you saying is that's the proper asset. And in this environment where fear is a daily thing that we have to deal with, the interest rate sensitivity or interest rate increases that we're seeing on the retail side of interest rates While we may see a little increase on the wholesale side of interest rates, we're not going to see a tremendous rise in those interest rates. Coupled with an inflationary environment, while, yes, it's bad on consumer goods, right? It's bad on cash because your cash actually loses ground. But where you have assets that are in an appreciated position, the opportunity presents itself to grow the value of those assets with the inflation while continuing to get low cost money on a wholesale basis to purchase an asset that has a 0% floor that's going to outpace the cost of borrowing the money. Yes. We're still in a good position to do structured financing. Oh, well, with all the negatives I gave you, the positives here, right? Yeah, I know it's it's a mouthful, but it's all great news. At the end of the day, I I really feel like the country needed some inflation anyway. 
And the one thing that I would I would ask companies to do is to, you know, give your folks a bonus so that they can not suffer during, you know, the inflationary period. I don't think it's going to last, you know, a decade. I think it's going to last, you know, probably a year and a half. And that's what most experts say. I depend heavily on certain economists, particularly ITR. They're always right. I mean, it's just crazy how accurate they are. The only thing that they've ever been the only only window of time they've ever been wrong was because of 9/11. It only delayed what they forecasted. But so I rely heavily on them, and you know we're looking really good until about 2025, and then we're going to have just a, a mild recession that'll run in to uh, 2026, and then it's going to be you know gangbusters again. Just everything on, well, the greatest growth that the world has ever known until 2030. So we need to help Americans understand that those that are of ultra high net worth, they need to really dig in with their estate plan and get the insurance that they need to cover that. And then all of these successful companies, I mean, just millionaires are just popping up every day from uh, entrepreneurs. They come up with a new idea and they say, you know, they're multimillionaires or even billionaires. These people and the executives that are running their companies, you know, they're going to want to protect all of those. The buy-sell agreements, the key people, there's so much that we do and do better than any other particular segment of the financial services industry, far greater. I had someone ask me the other day, well, why would anyone think that a life insurance policy would be better than you know, a brokerage account? And I said, look, I'm not saying it's better than a brokerage account, and I'm not saying it's worse than a brokerage account. Think about this. If you could get uh, the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ 100 uncapped, pay a hurdle rate of, say, you know, 4 to 7%, the NASDAQ, if you look back for the last 25 years, would have averaged like 18% a year. Would you have been happy with that? Would, uh, would, yeah. Would that be, yeah. Would that be right with some of the best portfolios ever put together? I think so. I think so. <laughs> it would. Right? But it also, but also, if you died, it would pay you maybe 20, 30, 40 million dollars in death benefit that no portfolio will ever pay. No CD will ever pay. No securities, you know, transaction apart from a VUL, which is a life insurance product, would ever pay. So, you know, I'm not saying it's better or worse, but it's pretty darn good if you ask me. Yeah, I was having a discussion yesterday with a friend, and he was talking about his existing financial advisor. And he was in the discussion about how the financial advisor was 
putting all of these assumptions into their current plan. And in, in essence, it was an Armageddon scenario, a doomsday scenario. And it really had my client and his wife, my friend and his wife, quite worried and, and flustered. And he's purchasing a, he already purchased life insurance as a retirement plan, but he put his own money into it. And the projected payout from those things was quite small relative to what we would be able to do for him. And I started explaining to him, here's how Cool Springs works. Here's how the structure is. Here's what the setup is. Here's what the potential collateral can look like. And he said, he got it, Sam. And he said, this is my protection against the other stuff not working. He says, maybe it works as well as you say it does. Maybe it doesn't work as well as you say it does. But even if it only works... 20 to 30% as good as you say it does, it's still an unbelievable hedge against my broker's account portfolio. And I think that's what you're saying is this isn't supposed to replace other assets. It's a supplement. It's a enhancement. It's a safety net to those other assets. It is. And look, there's one thing we all know. We are going to die. We just don't know when. And it, right? I mean, so I, I, this always comes out in every interview that I do. But my first death claim, I delivered the policy at 5 p.m. on a Friday afternoon. At 2 a.m. the next morning, Saturday morning, my client was dead. So I, you know, you don't know when you're going to die. And my, that was my client was also a very good friend, young, full of energy, and hit by a drunk driver running from the police. Well, I know this story very well because I know you very well, but you have to tell the audience the only reason that policy was delivered when it was delivered is because you forced him to take delivery of it. It is. And, I, you know, back then I wasn't as forceful even as, you know, as I am now, I guess. But it was odd. I'm not typically an, an, you know, someone that's going to make, try and really force someone to do anything. But it was, I think it was providential. Back at this time, you know, there, I mean, I had a cell phone that was the size of a shoebox and weighed about eight pounds and carried that around all day. And I got back to the office on a Friday afternoon. It's all in my inbox. Yes, we had inboxes back then that were physical. There was mail in them. <laughs> and it, it was electronic. There was no such thing as the internet uh, back then. And so his policy had come in while I was gone and his office was like five minutes from mine. And so I, it was like 5 p.m. And I picked up the phone and Friday afternoon called him. And he said he was, he was, you know, leaving for the weekend. I uh, had to drive 40 minutes to his home. And then his girlfriend lived 40 more minutes away. For him, it was like an hour and 20 minutes in total here for him just to pick her up. They said, I don't have time, but I'm out the door. Let's do this first thing Monday morning. I'm glad my policy's in. I said, no, you, you, you're going to have to, I'm, I'm delivering it right now. Now, why I did that, I don't know. 
But I remember that his premium was $93.86. And I said, just go ahead and make out the check. And told him who to make it out to. I'll come down there. He's just going to have to sign a couple of forms. I'll pick up. He said, no, look, I really want to do it Monday. I said, no, I'm coming down right now. <laughs> Uncharacteristically of me, particularly at five o'clock on Friday afternoon. So, you know, it was the month of May. And so I did. I drove down there. He was a bit perturbed with me, but anyway, he was glad to get his policy, gave me the check, signed in all the appropriate places. I went back to the office. I made photocopies of everything, put them in the file. And then I took the receipt and the check and took them to the company back then called Emory Air Freight. They were bought by somebody. But anyway, dropped it off in an overnight and went home and then got a call at 6 a.m. the next morning that he, my friend, had been killed. And I, I just thought, wow, what, how shocking. I, I can get emotional about it right now, so I'm working hard not to. But Okay. You just what never know. Service you just you never, you never know. know. You never know. And we, you, Sam, after 40 years, you've been at the forefront of technology and innovation in our industry, creating structured finance designs where really the client wins. And most people yes. that talk bad about our industry is because the client doesn't win. The carrier wins, the agent wins in their commission, but the client gets the short end of the stick. And you've completely flipped that on its head. So in that vein, what, if you're allowed to share anything or if there is anything, what is Cool Springs working on right now? What do you see coming in the future for Cool Springs? Well, let me say this. I, I, I won't specifically say what it is that we're working on now. I'm very excited about it. But I will tell you this. And I've said this uh, for many years because, you know, the actual mission that I'm on is to be able to do for everyone what we do for the ultra high net worth and uh, corporations today. I want to be able to do it for everyone. And so I'm, I am focused on that like a laser. And some of the things that we're doing right now, everything that we're doing right now will eventually get us there. And that's, but, but between now and then, when we do get there, there's going to be a lot of good that's going to happen for Americans, not only the ultra high net worth, but those that are accredited investors today, people that have incomes of 200,000 and, and net worth, or I should say liquid assets of a million dollars or more. There's going to be more and more things headed their direction. And then beyond that, we will keep pressing and I'm convinced that eventually we will get to where we can provide all Americans with the absolute best solutions, best insurance, great returns, and it will change their lives more so than anyone's. But 
exciting. There's a lot of work to do in between there, you know, where we are today and where we want to be. And, uh, you know, I'm delighted that, you know, you're a part of the team. We've got a great team. You're a big part of the team. And you're only going to get bigger. We're only going to get bigger as a whole. You know, I hope to get there in my lifetime. You know, when you get my age, you you don't know. (laughs) You don't know at any age. My friend, you know, (laughs) that died was only 24 years old. Mm. And so, you know, that was a long time ago. And you just, you know, you don't, there's no promise of tomorrow on this earth anyway. And, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there for every American eventually. But there's some really cool stuff coming that's going to help hardworking Americans, particularly those that are considered important VIP employees. There's some really good stuff coming down the road for them. So I'm excited about that. Well, what we do know this, the one thing that is constant is change. And we do know that with your guidance and leadership, Cool Springs is going to stay fluid and flexible and make sure our clients continue to win in a changing environment. Sam Watson, Chairman, CEO of Cool Springs Financial. Thanks, Sam. We're going to have you on again, okay? Thank you for having me. All right, Sam. Be blessed. Talk to you later. You too, John. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. There we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at premiumfinanceshow.com. And you can find out more about all the ways we can help you at coolspringsfinancial.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time.